It's Monday, October the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, the murder of David Amos, and Germany edges closer to a new government. First, the world in brief. China's economic growth slowed in the July to September quarter of 2021 to 4.9% compared with the same period last year. It was down from 7.9% in April to June and rose just 0.2% quarter on quarter. The country's economy has been hit by sporadic COVID-19 lockdowns, energy shortages and a government crackdown on its frothy property sector. Germany's Green Party voted in favour of entering into official negotiations to form a new government. Another prospective coalition partner, the centre-left Social Democrats, voted to do so on Saturday, leaving just the business-orientated Free Democrats to confirm their participation. Such a, quote, traffic light coalition would be led by Olaf Scholz of the Social Democrats, which won the most seats in last month's elections. Floods and landslides in Kerala, a southern Indian state, killed at least 26 people. Relentless rains over the past few days have caused rivers to overflow, submerging roads and sweeping away homes. With 44 rivers flowing through the state, Kerala is vulnerable to floods. In 2018, more than 400 people died in the worst floods in a century. Facebook said it would create 10,000 jobs in the EU over the next five years to help develop the, quote, metaverse, a collective virtual reality world not controlled by a single company. The social networking firm called the investment, quote, a vote of confidence in the strength of the European tech industry and the potential of European tech talent. The man arrested for the murder of the British MP Sir David Amos on Friday has been named as Ali Harbi Ali, a Briton of Somali heritage. According to reports, he had previously been referred to the government's Prevent Scheme, designed to stop young people developing into terrorists, but was not on any watch list. His father, Harbi Ali Kolain, is a former director of communications for the Prime Minister of Somalia. About 17 American missionaries, including women and children, were kidnapped in Haiti. An armed gang dragged them off a bus after they had visited an orphanage. The missionaries were from the Christian Aid Ministries based in Ohio. Since the killing of President Jovenel Moïse in July, the security situation in Haiti has badly deteriorated. Melbourne, which has spent a total of 262 days in lockdowns, by some accounts more than any other city in the world, will start easing its stay-at-home orders from Thursday. Coronavirus cases are still going up in the state of Victoria, of which Melbourne is the capital, but the vaccination rate has also been rising and is set to reach 70% on October 26th. And fact of the day, 120 kilograms, the amount of enriched uranium 
that Iran claims to have produced. And now, here's today's agenda. Triple trouble, China's economy. Few numbers in economics are as big and, usually, boring as China's GDP. The country has twice reported the same growth rate, down to one decimal place for three quarters in a row, although subsequent revisions marred the glorious monotony a bit. The GDP figure out on Monday, however, had generated an unusual amount of uncertainty, even suspense. In the event, growth in the three months from July to September slowed to 4.9%, compared with the same period last year, failing narrowly to meet consensus forecasts. The slowdown reflected a triple shock from energy, property and the pandemic. Expensive coal and strict energy conservation targets caused power cuts in many provinces. A crackdown on borrowing and speculation hurt the property market, and outbreaks of COVID-19 prompted localised lockdowns. With all of these factors in the mix, China's third quarter GDP was a little less big than expected, but also less boring than usual. Sparks are flying. Mexico's proposed electricity reform. Political wrangling will continue this week over President Andrés Manuel López Obrador's electricity bill. It is his latest move to roll back the previous administration's liberalisation of the energy sector. The proposed legislation would guarantee 54% of the electricity market to CFE, the state-owned producer. It currently has around 38%. It would also do away with two independent regulators of the sector. Local NGOs fear that electricity would become both more expensive and dirtier. American bodies warn of possible breaches of the USMCA, the trade deal between America, Canada and Mexico. If the legislation is passed, there would probably be modifications or cancellations of contracts in the electricity sector with private and foreign companies. Mr. López Obrador's coalition lacks the two-thirds majority of lawmakers needed to pass any constitutional bill, but some worry he may do anything to persuade enough opposition members to vote with him. His nationalistic energy policy is a central part of his populist agenda. Discovering a Backbone ASEAN rebukes Myanmar's junta Life for General Ming Ong Hlein on the international stage looks ever more lonely. On Friday, the 10-country association of Southeast Asian nations decided not to invite the leader of Myanmar's blood-soaked junta to an upcoming summit. It is an unprecedented move from the bloc, a sign of its extreme frustration with the military regime that seized power in February. It has failed to comply with a roadmap to peace brokered by ASEAN and refused to allow a special envoy to meet the deposed civilian leader, Aung San Suu Kyi. General Min Aung Hlein is thus increasingly embattled, both internationally and on the domestic front. 
Ethnic rebels in the borderlands are carving out more territory for themselves and appear to be training and arming some of the 150 militia formed since the coup. Since a shadow government comprising deposed parliamentarians declared war on the regime recently, the frequency and intensity of attacks against the army have increased. The country is now edging towards full-out civil war. A deadly run. Armoured Arbery's assailants on trial. Last year, a 25-year-old unarmed black man went jogging near his home in the state of Georgia. What followed was a horrific act of violence. Three white men, suspecting armoured arbory of stealing, chased him in a couple of trucks. One allegedly shot him three times and insulted him with a racial slur. On Monday, they will stand trial for murder and other charges. They say they acted in self-defence and deny having been motivated by racism. A video of the murder was taken by one of the perpetrators. Mr Arbery's killing and the leak of the video ignited a firestorm of indignation. First over the sheer brutality, then the bungle prosecution. It took over two months for police to arrest the suspects. One of four states without a hate crimes law at the time, Georgia has since criminalised violence motivated by victims' race and narrowed the power of citizens to arrest each other. The killing, with echoes of 20th century lynchings, underscored how racialized violence in America persists. Commerce in the Dock The Port of London Exhibition For more than two centuries, maritime trade on the River Thames has been crucial to London's identity. London Port City, a new exhibition opening on Friday at the Museum of London Docklands, allows visitors to explore the history as well as the present-day operations of the city's docks. They were once the busiest in the world. Drawing on the Port of London Authority's archives, the exhibition will include artefacts, films and even odours evoking the original docks. The port's close links to the transatlantic slave trade will be scrutinised. A fair share of the city's and port's prosperity were at one time built on the back of the trade in humans. One exhibit is a document commemorating the erection of a statue of Robert Milligan, a merchant, slave owner and the moving force behind the city's West India docks. While the statue was removed from outside the museum last year, the record is a reminder of the cost of London's wealth. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Viscount Palmerston, who died on this day in 1865. I am firmly persuaded that among nations, weakness will never be a foundation for security. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. 
And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app to start listening.